Hello, so welcome to episode number 46 of The Space in Between, and today we're sitting with Dr. Daniel Libby, of the founder of the Veterans Yoga Project, and um, that reminds me, we have Veterans Gratitude Week, which is uh, Veterans Yoga Project's uh, week of offering yoga to our community, and if you're interested, if you're a yoga teacher or if you are a yogi or interested in practicing yoga, definitely go over to veteransyogaproject.org and find out more on how you can offer a class or attend a class or even donate. This is a really great opportunity to give back to those who have served. Uh, and, and Dr. Dan Livy will be talking more about that in our interview in a little bit. Um, but before we do go over there, uh, a couple things happening in Nomadland. Uh, this week, there's a flash sale for our retreat in Belize. So that flash sale is running through October 5th. If you want to save some money and save your spot, this is the time to do it. And also, I'll be leading a retreat in Bali March 1st through the 20th. Oh, sorry, March 1st through the 10th, 2020. Uh, it's only 10 days. Uh, I wish we could go for 20 days, uh, but no, just 10 days in Bali. And there's a bunch happening with Movement 109. We're doing an online course right now that will definitely be running again. We have a really great group, um, and we'll be running this online course probably mid-November, so you can hold on to that if you didn't get to jump on the movement 109 bandwagon this time around but then we also have some a number of live events uh at bar body and soul october 17th and then move into breath with uh we leading movement 109 and breath work with erica forcell we're offering that october 25th and november 8th at a couple different spots so you can go over to the nomad website and find out more about where and when and how and also in in the end of October, October 26th and 27th, we're offering our nonprofit tribe. Uh, we teach resilience, increase balance, and endurance. So this is offering the tools of yoga to active duty military. So um, you can be a yoga teacher, a service member, um, a spouse, anybody linked into the military community and want to offer the tools both on and off the mat to active duty, this would be the great, this will be a really great weekend training for you. So you can go find out more over um, at our website to find out and register. So, and now let's go ahead and hear what Dr. Dan Libby has to say. Okay. <laughs> so we're starting with our first breath, and I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Libby, and um, thank you for being here today. Um, and I've shared a little bit of the connection with you of, you know, this kind of roundabout circle is my father was a patient at the VA that you were a therapist at or a psychologist at, and um, but we did not know this until I came full circle to... Um, the Veterans Yoga Project event at the Intrepid last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was listening to you, and I had already been connected with VYP. I felt this connection um, just serendipitously through various different people, and just the fingers were pointing that I needed to be aligned with this organization. And then here you are standing and talking about the kind of the birth of VYP, and it started at West Haven, Connecticut. And I thought, Oh, okay, that's a sign. <laughs> so let's do this. <laughs> and then our stories kind of have like intertwined and it's been such a journey. So I'm grateful we're here in the feathered pipe right now, um, which has a lot of meaning to you. And uh, do you want to start there? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, thanks so much for, for having me. Uh, I'm always happy to talk uh, about myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and about Veterans Yoga Project and about Feathered Pipe. Yeah. Um, so where should we start? Well, I'm thinking we are sitting here in this beautiful space of Feathered Pipe in Montana, and you kind of share this beautiful story of your journey, and, um, and it somewhat started here. So 
Yeah, I would say it definitely started here. So uh, the Feathered Pipe Ranch is uh, located just outside of Helena, Montana, mm -hmm. and is run by the Feathered Pipe Foundation, uh, which is the nonprofit organization. And I have been coming here really for 35 plus years. Awesome. <laughs> um, and it is definitely my uh, soul home. Yeah. Um, and my soul family uh, resides around here. And so uh, I was here for two summers when I was uh, a youngster, maybe seven or eight years old. And then I came back when I was 18 or 19 years old. Okay. And I came back for a week. And I was only supposed to stay for a week. Yeah. Uh, but by the third day, I called home. I called my mom and said, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and uh, Howard, the ranch manager, offered me a job in a tent in the woods. And I spent the summer in the tent. And So you were one sleeping in a tent there. I'm yes. always walking by. I'm like, who is sleeping in the tent? Right, okay. Right. Um, and yes, yeah, so I spent nine summers here. Uh, first is, you know, kind of doing dishes, cleaning rooms. Uh, worked in the kitchen. Uh, I think really only one shift in the kitchen. It took me four hours to make a salad dressing, so they decided <laughs> that was not my area of uh, expertise. Like, oh, let's put him somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I was the driver here for many years, and then um, one winter I went to massage therapy school, so I spent three or four years doing body work here, awesome. which was actually amazingly awesome. Yeah. Uh, Might have been my favorite of all of my roles here. Were you, like, I'm curious <laughs> to see, were you just kind of like, what do I do next? Oh, I could be a massage therapist there so I'll do that or was it something else calling you there I don't know I mean the first time I ever had a, a body work was here yeah um and I've always been interested in health and healing and natural okay. healing and I can't remember now what sort of spurred <laughs> me to go to massage therapy school okay. all those years ago but uh, I knew it was my calling really mm -hmm. um, and I've done lots of things since then and I haven't really done body work but yet body work is probably the one thing that I love the most mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm actually the best at okay um, and so uh, that was kind of just the doorway open and certainly working here especially doing body work at a yoga retreat center yeah where especially this place is you know it's got that prana shakti you know yeah. that good juju and and everybody here is in touch with their bodies yeah. and they're doing yoga they're and they're working up. so and they're open and mm -hmm. so a lot of amazing stuff would happen and yeah. transformations um, even just on my yoga or my massage table that I didn't yeah. understand. Wow. Like I'm, you know, 22, 23, whatever it okay. is. And I don't understand like, why is this person crying on my massage table? Yeah. You know? And so, <laughs> uh, but you know, that was my first real experience of of seeing that, you know, our issues live in the tissues yeah. and that, you know, when I was working on somebody, they would have spontaneous memories or mm -hmm. have these emotional reactions. And that to me was fascinating because that was, I mean, there's juice there, right? There's yeah. um, like, I'm just rubbing your shoulder, right? But yet it is touching a much deeper part of your being. Yeah. And so, yeah, then I went to uh, finish my bachelor's degree in psychology and then went to graduate school. Um, so how did you get to psychology from there? I'm curious. Well, it was the, um, well, it was two things. One, I really wanted to understand what was happening to okay. these people on my table. Yeah. And I had gone to three other undergraduate institutions, two other, a junior college, a community college, <laughs> the University of South Florida. You're just trying them out, seeing what's, you know, available. Yeah, I was never, um, yeah. <laughs> Well, the USF I went to and really only uh, enrolled to get the financial aid. Okay. And I enrolled in all these independent study courses so that I could go traveling. Awesome. Um, so school wasn't the yeah. end goal for me, but <laughs> it was something, you know, I always enjoy learning yeah. and, and find it important to uh, keep up with that. And so uh, I found myself 33 credits away from my bachelor's degree and I could go to the University of Montana, get take 33 credits in psychology, okay. get my bachelor's degree, and then I would know and understand all of the deep psychological <laughs> things that happened to these people that yeah. while I was giving them body work. Uh, and then I found out that a bachelor's degree in psychology makes you completely eligible for every minimum wage retail <laughs> job out there. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, if I really wanted to understand what was happening, I had to go to grad school and okay. then learn a little more. And uh, it was really interesting because... I went from living in, you know, doing body work. I'd get body work every week and living in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like that mm -hmm. was my medium. 
And then I went to St. John's University and their clinical psychology program. Uh, stopped doing body work, stopped getting body work, oh. and you know went into this world where it's all in our heads, right? Yeah. It's all about the theory, psychodynamic theory, cognitive behavioral theory, yeah. applying those theories, doing talk therapy, um, psychological assessments. It was all very much in the head. It was all yeah. very much an intellectual and, and working with people on their stories. And, uh, you know, that took seven to ten years, depending on how you count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but was studying psychophysiology in, in grad school, so okay. really interested in that body-mind connection. Okay. And in particular... So it started to get women back in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and even, you know, when I first went to graduate school, my, you know, my studies were in physiology and psychophysiology. Uh, my master's and, and dissertation were both uh, on heart rate variability, okay. so uh, it definitely you know applied. And then really seeing trauma as almost a um, uh, I want to say a prototype for mental illness, but or you can look at almost all mental illness through the lens of trauma, right? Something mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, but so um, so long story short, I went to graduate school. Went to get my postdoctoral fellowship, applied to a lot of different places, including several VAs, because I knew VAs had excellent training programs. I knew that I would have an opportunity to learn more about trauma and the evidence-based treatments for trauma. Um, And uh, really, that was it. And so I applied to a lot, and uh, one of the ones I was accepted to, and I think it might have been the only one I was accepted to, (laughs) was uh, with Yale University in the Department of Psychiatry. Excuse me. And... um, and all the rotations, you know, the, the, the practice or the, the, the training program was at the West Haven VA in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. When that, what year was that? If you remember. That Ish. was 2009. Okay. Give yeah. or take. Yeah. Um, just to show like a reflection, like that's the year that my dad called me. Oh, and really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he had done his recovery, and uh-huh. he was um, in the hospital. He had been, uh, he almost died of lithium poisoning for the second time. And he was and, at West Haven? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, he, I don't know, I mean, he, he would paraphrase things. I don't know the whole story, but he just said, I didn't want to do head drugs anymore, man. Let's not do the head drugs. And then his doctor, and he decided to just take him off. I don't know how fast or how that worked, mm-hmm. but it was a span of two or three months where th- he just said the fog lifted and he remembered me and called me on Father's Day. Wow. So it's like something was happening underneath. Something was happening at that time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, so, and I'm curious before you kind of go into that world of when you arrived there, you said you at you had left the body work behind like you weren't practicing it or in terms of practicing or receiving, were you finding your way back to it or were you finding yoga? Like where did the yoga come in if it hadn't at this, if it had at this point? Um, that is a very good question. You know, I spent those nine summers living and working here at Featherpipe mm-hmm. and every week there'd be another yoga teacher or team of yoga teachers and 20 to 50 yogis, people from around the country, around the world. And it was such an education, right? So for an entire summer, I would just meet all of these people, all from, you know, a lot of healers from different, you know, physical therapists, doctors, you know, every, everything. And, uh, but also all doing yoga. And I got to sit in, you know, in, in, you know, learn yoga from like the experts, yeah. like the, the ones that really helped bring yoga to this country. Yeah. Not that I was studying it in any serious way. And it was you were more just like, there's something here for, <clears throat> well, I saw, I saw how healing happened, Yeah. you know, here. And then I went to graduate school and there was something missing. Like <laughs> yeah. it was just like, it was just dry and clinical. And there was like, it, it, it very much didn't resonate with me. I had okay. a very hard time throughout graduate school. Okay. Um, and I really almost had to compartmentalize myself or I felt like I did in okay. some way. Okay, I understand that, yeah. Um, and so 
I'd seen how healing happens, right? And 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 yeah. not that I know how it happens or how it happened, but um, but people being empowered and doing these practices, um, I saw that it was helpful, right? And that yeah. people like outside of a clinical context, right? Even working with you know people who were on my massage table and then there were the yoga classes, and it was their traumas that were coming out, yeah. right? It was their you know, they were crying when I was working on their shoulders because she told me that, oh, I now just had the spontaneous memory of being dragged by my grandmother. And, you know, whatever the story mm-hmm. was, all of a sudden it comes up yeah. and is, is given space to process. Yeah. It's being space to sort of move through and, and mm-hmm. let go. And I didn't see the same results. And, and of course, I was just sort of getting started with talk therapy, but it certainly was a lot of, intellectualization it was a lot of being yeah. up in the head so when I applied to go to Yale University for the postdoctoral fellowship it really was with the intention of studying yoga like okay. that was what my proposal included is I'm going to come there and I'm going to study okay. yoga I'm going to do a randomized control trial looking at you know veterans doing yoga compared to okay. something else um and I'm actually thinking back, I'm not sure I was even practicing that much yoga That's at the time. That's what I wanted to ask you. I was like, were you practicing again? Okay. Uh, and so you just knew, you. it sounded like you had this, you knew there was a void. Like there was something missing, as you said, of the clinical piece. And so you just had this light bulb of your past go off and say, oh, we have to marry these two in some way, it sounds like. And I'm not sure it was a light bulb. It was more <laughs> just like a natural, like, of course, like, okay. like this is what these people are missing. Like, yeah. th- there's a piece missing okay. to this. But you uh, weren't even practicing it. But, uh, well, I mean, really it really common. depends on like, what you mean by yeah, yoga. Yeah, um, in and, terms of being on the mat, yeah, let's just say. Uh, I would have to think back. I'm thinking back to, like, my uh, internship years. Yeah. And I, I was not practicing. Interesting. Really. Yeah. Um, moved to New Haven, West Haven, uh, started teaching at the VA. So okay. I started, well, when I first got there, um, there was, they were just starting a yoga program okay. for, in the outpatient PTSD clinic and had a wonderful yoga teacher there, but he unfortunately didn't have any real experience or knowledge about working with trauma. Okay. Um, and it dawned on me, uh, seeing him work that, um, and and the that it could have been much more effective. Mm-hmm. It could have been really much more effective in uh, just reaching and bringing these tools to the veterans. Uh, and so the program didn't go that well. Um, and so I basically, after that six week series, I started a six week series. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm not a yoga teacher, right? <laughs> yeah. Let me just. And you haven't really been practicing, and it was nine years, but it was like a very long time ago at that point. It sounds like. Not uh, very long, but like a big gap of time. Yeah, uh, I mean now I it's all it. kind of a gap because it's all fuzzy back in the memory. <laughs> well, it's all the space in between, so it's <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I, I started teaching a yoga class. I called it group psychotherapy. Okay. Um, I think I'd started like now, sort of moving to New Haven and knowing that I was doing this yoga okay. research that I started practicing a little more. Okay. Um, so just. I'm just curious because um, I read the papers of my dad, like everything that mm-hmm. he went through, and they had group psychotherapy, and where I guess they would, it was mostly talk therapy. Mm-hmm. But so you're saying that you basically were like, we're gonna do yoga today. Is that what? It yeah. Well, it was a yoga group, and okay. like when they came, they knew they weren't doing like a group psychotherapy okay. talk session. So they knew uh, what they were getting. They absolutely through. knew. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, it's just that when I coded it in the computer system so you looked at your dad's records and you saw he went to group psychotherapy it said group psychotherapy and if you look at what yoga is it is cognitive behavioral therapy yeah it is yeah it is it it is psychotherapy um so and there was no you know computer code for yoga got it so that was just sort of what i had to do um and so i started teaching and the fourth class i taught before the fourth class so i didn't even finish the fourth class one of my vets who had come to three classes said, Hey, Doc, I have to tell you something. I stopped taking my sleep medications because uh, now I meditate to go to sleep. That was a moment. Like, yeah. that was, you know, it kind of like shocked me. I'm like, yeah. Of course, I'm also a little newbie. And I'm like, Oh, you know, you really should talk to your psychiatrist <laughs> and you work with your medical doctor. He's like, No, I did. I did. Um, but I. 
that was one of the moments where I was uh, reminded of the power of this work. Yeah. And I, you know, in some ways, that's where Veterans Yoga Project was born, yeah. right, with that comment, because it was so quick. Yeah. Psychotherapy, yeah. right? I mean, to make progress in therapy and to just use your head and to talk things yeah. out, sometimes that takes a long time. Sometimes there's a not a lot time. of progress happening. Yeah. Um, and what I've learned is that right, that progress can be hastened so much more yeah. by empowering you know, my patients, students to, to practice and to yeah. do these empowering, you know, yoga practices. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so you're, so here you are in West Haven seeing there's something here and then, but you're not an actual yoga, I mean like certified yoga teacher. No, but then I started a yoga teacher training program okay. that first year. I um, was working with another yoga teacher who was teaching in another VA, okay. um, and uh, we decided, well, why don't we do a weekend workshop for okay. yoga teachers, right. right, to teach them about this, yeah. right? because clearly, I mean, if you're coming into a treatment context, working with people who are dealing with trauma, yeah. you should probably know a little something. It's not about, it's not like your regular yoga class at your yoga studio, right? There, yeah. there might be some other things to There's consider. Yeah, yeah. And so... I have a couple of questions with that. So I'm wondering, because you hadn't really been on your mat for a little bit of time, and so now you're teaching it, so now you are coming back to your mat, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. You have to do your teacher training. So what was like? What was that like for you, if you remember? If I don't remember. know what that was like, because <laughs> I think um, at that point in my life, well, 29, 10, 12, right? So I'm going through graduate school, I'm recently married or about to get married, right? Moving, living in a new place, just trying to like do my postdoctoral fellowship, um, you know, maintain, take care of myself. Um, I'm not sure that's when I really came back to the mat. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Do you remember when? If you have ever returned? (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you know when it happens. (laughs) It's cool. Um, Well, I mean, I think, you know, it ebbs and flows in my dedication to my practice, right? Where there'll be, you know, months on end where I'm on my mat every day and I'm really doing the practice and I'm, you know, practicing the acceptance tools. And then, um, and I think what happens, and I think this is why a lot of people don't practice steadily mm-hmm. and why it's hard for people to do yoga is that you know you do it enough and you're doing the work at some point I mean you're coming up against yourself right yeah. and you know every time you get on the mat you're coming to yourself yeah, yeah. um and uh, sometimes that's the stuff you've been trying to avoid yeah right because it's not comfortable right yeah. we're, we're pre-programmed to avoid pain and seek pleasure mm-hmm. and so <laughs> if I'm getting on my mat and all of a sudden I'm getting in touch with painful feelings that are a little bit uncomfortable yeah right sometimes it's actually great to be on your mat and feel that because you can actually feel it and uh be able to sit with it yeah Um, but i think sometimes that's where we then hit the avoidance right we start engaging in experiential avoidance or or whatnot and uh then we might move away from our practice for a little while yeah and then we come back to it yeah in terms of the mat yeah because you know I think we both have the belief too of the that you want to take it off the mat. So we do it on the mat only to live off the mat, right? Um, but there is that sometimes of oh, I mean, I've gone through this myself of oh, I'm not going to go to the mat because I'm already doing it. <laughs> but then I think also like mm, is that an avoidance? <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit of avoidance. Yeah, it's just kind of checking yourself. Yeah, um, you have to do the work. You know, yeah, you, you yeah. really you have to. Um, push yourself outside of your comfort zone yeah uh and then so and the other question i had for you um you said you did your teacher training and we're doing the workshop and realizing it's different i mean i've gone through your training so i have an idea but just for people who are listening what does just a yoga practice like a 200 hour teacher training um is different from you know teaching a trauma and sensitive um trauma sensitive um group what kind of what are some of the the pieces that looks different if you don't mind sharing that sure um i've always uh kind of hated yoga (laughs) (laughs) right there's something about 
the yoga and the yoga culture. Yeah. That it tends to be all about the yoga, the yoga, yeah. yoga, yoga. Um, and I'm not about that. I'm about my patients, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm working with, you know, men and women who are dealing with, you know, can't sleep or dealing with nightmares, yeah. impulsive anger and aggression, you know, hypervigilance, like all shame, anxiety, all of this stuff that, you know, is that trauma picture. Yeah. And to me, um, that's how it's different, right? It's not about doing yoga. It's about learning tools of empowerment to get over my symptoms. And when you're dealing with somebody who's recovering from trauma, especially if they're in that acute place where they're dealing with symptoms, they're they're not going to be able to pay attention to you, right? If I'm paying attention to the memories in my mind or hypervigilance looking out the window, I'm not going to be able to practice yoga. I can't focus on my breath. And so... Um, our our approach is really about creating the conditions for yoga to occur or creating the conditions for healing to occur. Okay. So setting up the space and creating an environment where um, where that veteran can bring all of his or her attentional resources to the right here and now. Yeah. Right? And to focus on my breath and body in this moment. Yeah. And then as your mind wanders and you have, you know, different thoughts or worries as they come you can still just come back to your breath and come back to the moment Mm -hmm. and be on your mat. Or maybe just sit with that uncomfortable emotion or feeling and not have to react against it. Yeah. Um, So in in teaching in that clinical environment, I am creating the space for my students, my veterans, to practice these tools in a way that empower them to deal with their symptoms. Okay, and what it what does that kind of look like for somebody who hasn't been to a VYP class? What are some of those tools um, or approach? So the way we uh, talk about it is uh, this acronym SPACE, S-P-A-C-E, right? Works yeah. perfectly with your podcast, yes. with your podcast. Yes. And uh, <laughs> the SPACE stands for a safe, predictable, and controllable environment, S-P-A-C-E. And what we learn is that trauma and all traumatic events and stressful events are marked by a lack of safety and a lack of predictability and a lack of control, right? So the external world that I'm living in Let's say it's a car accident, right? The car, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of a car accident, it's dangerous. It's yeah. not safe. It's unpredictable what my car is going to do, what the other person's car is going to do, and I can't control my car or the other car, yeah. right? Um, so externally, all of the aspects of that event are lacking space. Yeah. What also happens often is that internally, I lack space. I, I lack safety and predictability and control. And I've had a veteran tell me, not in these exact words, but, you know, I couldn't predict or control the fact that I was going to projectile vomit the first time I had to pick up a body part, Uh, right? I couldn't, you know, predict or control that my body would just keep shaking. After the car stopped, my body just kept shaking and shaking and shaking, and I couldn't control it. And, mm -hmm. you know, none of you know, this isn't what I thought was going to happen, and it sure didn't feel safe. Yeah. Um, Or I just froze, right? Often people at the time of trauma, even if they're trained to act, like they freeze, freeze, right? And that... That part of their physiology takes over. So all traumatic events are marked by a lack of space externally and a lack of space internally. And for somebody who develops post-traumatic stress, they continue to have that lack of safety, predictability, and control externally. The world is still unsafe, still unpredictable, uncontrollable. But my internal world is, is still unsafe and unpredictable and controllable. I still have these intrusive thoughts and images when I don't want to. I still, you know, have impulsive reactions, you know, when I get startled. Um, you know, I get irritable. Like, all of these things that are happening to my mind mm-hmm. that I don't longer can predict what my mind's going to do. Mm-hmm. I can't control my own mind. Yeah. My body, all of a sudden, my heart's racing. I'm sweating. I'm, right? All, my body is unpredictable and uncontrollable. And so this identification, my whole self. Like whoever I am, my yeah. entire sense of who I am is now doesn't have any space to exist. Yeah. And so our approach when holding space for trauma is that as yoga instructors, um, our job isn't to walk on eggshells because we're afraid of trigger, triggering our students. That's not what trauma-sensitive yoga is about. Um, it's about empowering our our students and building on their resilience that they already have. And so if we can create a safe, predictable and controllable external environment 
right? Where in the yoga room, I don't have to worry about, you know, the sound that I just heard outside because you told me, oh, right, there's another class going on. Mm -hmm. There's a bathroom here, so you might hear that. Or I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, somebody walking into the room because I'm facing the door and, you know, so I'm feeling more comfortable there maybe. Um, The most important part of creating a safe, predictable, controllable environment um, really is that sense of social support. Mm-hmm. And just, and this is one of my challenges, right? I'm kind of shy and self-conscious <laughs> and, you know, just tend to be a little introverted. Um, but if I welcome my student into my classroom and I look you in the eye and say, hi, Phoebe. Yeah. Welcome to class. <laughs> hi. Hi, Dan. <laughs> right. Um, I'm looking at you. I'm really seeing you. Yeah. Right. So again, one of the easiest ways to create that sense of safety, predictability, and control is to feel safe and to feel seen. Yeah. And uh, I went to uh, very recently a power yoga workshop, right? Mm-hmm. A, a week-long retreat, right? And it is they push you. They do every a lot of trauma-sensitive trainings are a little bit about walking on eggshells and we don't want to trigger our students or push them too hard. Um, and uh, that's not really it, right? So this this training I went to, um, I was pushed and my buttons were pushed. Mm-hmm. But they made it known, right? There were maybe 100 of us in this training and there were maybe 13 assistants. Okay. They're helping you, right? Bringing you water, bring me an ice pack for my, you okay. know, my broken toe. Um, but they let it be known from the outset that they were there for us. Okay. Right. Right. I am here for you. If I can let my students know that I am here for you, yeah. like I am for you. Yeah. Right. I, and, and even if I'm pushing you, it's because I'm for you yeah. and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm in your corner and I have your back and I got your six, right. That is more important than any of the other stuff. Yeah. Right. Is, is to know that the people around me have my back. Yeah. And I often use the, the uh, example of if somebody's walking down a dark alley at night mm-hmm. and a mugger comes up with a knife, right? What's going to happen? You're probably going to be pretty scared, yeah. right? <laughs> like this is going to be like an oh shoot moment. Yep. And, you know, physiologically all that stuff's going to happen. But what if I then told you, oh, you were walking down this dark alley at night with 14 of your best friends. Yeah. Right. It's different. Now it's different. Now you see yeah. that guy with the knife and what do you do? Yeah. Kind of laugh at them or like, like what? Like, really? You're going to take all 15 of us on? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's that kind of, that's the biggest part of doing trauma-sensitive yoga is holding space and empowering our students to really be who they already are. Yeah. We're not trying to fix anybody. We're not trying to cure anybody because nobody's broken. Nobody needs to be cured. Yeah. Right? We are just holding space. And I think a lot of times yoga teachers, myself included, we, we want to help so much mm-hmm. and we're compelled to yeah. do and to intervene. Yeah. And a lot of the work we do is just noticing that compulsion or that urge to intervene yeah. and not reacting on it and really questioning like, do I need to intervene here or do I just need to hold the space and let that person have their experience yeah. and maybe give them some eye contact and let them know that I'm there for them yeah. verbally or non-verbally, but just let them do their own thing. Yeah, I actually, that's what really attracted me to the program was uh, Brianna came and led. So before I did the training with you, January had two experiences, you know, Brianna and then Deb came and did the 300, my 300 hour, just the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was like a six hour format or something like that. But I, and then you reiterated too of not walking on eggshells. And I really appreciated that because I had other done other little trauma trainings here and there. And it was, you know, just that. And it is. It's, I just think of those times where maybe I wasn't being triggered, but just feeling kind of uncomfortable when the teacher was just being so accommodating and addressing every little thing and walking on eggshells. And I felt so, un- I, that actually made me feel more unsafe, right? Because if the teacher who's holding this room can't even hold the room, then how am I going to feel safe if shit goes down? <laughs> Like she's supposed to be, or he's supposed to be in charge, whoever, right? So that really spoke to me when you guys just shared that because I think that's really important, you know, because when you're not feeling safe, you've got to look to the the person next to you or, you know, who's in charge, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, um, and see like, should I be, like, I just think of a child who, you know, when a child falls or hits its head, 
it looks first before it reacts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. But yeah, there's a but but they see the parents like cringe, then they go, ah, right? Um, and so I think that's so such a valuable, valuable tool. So thank you for really making that an important piece. Well, because I, I think there and there are there are other you know trauma sensitive yoga trainings on there, and I think they're doing a disservice. Yeah. Because if you're making the teacher scared to teach the class yeah. and afraid that oh my god you know if yeah. I don't do something if I do something wrong someone's going to get triggered like then exactly it that yeah. person is holding all that anxiety and it comes across to everyone in that room. Yeah. Right. We all biobehaviorally regulate each other yeah. and we're picking up on each other's you know yeah. unconscious autonomic oh, yeah. signals. And so I, I try to really reiterate that over and over again in our trainings, that it's just yoga. Yeah, it's just right? yoga. It's just yoga. And I think you do a really great job in, in that because I say that too. It's just yoga, guys. Don't get stressed. I think just teachers in general, right, whether they're coming to the 200-hour or a special training like this, they do. They get nervous because it's new material. And just that relaxed, like you have a relaxed um, way of teaching. I mean, you're you're telling them and being very you know powerful with your words, but you have this relaxed energy right because it's just yoga and I think that helps this the trainee right who's in that situation step into that role more empowered too right because they don't feel like they're going to break this person if they do it wrong yeah thank you yeah um, I hope that's what comes across I, yeah. I, it does for me I can't speak for everybody else well but. the truth is that there's still even after that's teachers are you know anytime yeah. somebody's stepping into a new arena and out yeah. of their comfort zone there's going to yeah. be anxiety and worries yeah and so we don't need to compound that no. by like worrying that they're going to trigger their students something yeah. terrible is going to happen yeah that's not what happens exactly but yeah and you know i have that situation with the 200 hour and the other trainings that i lead to is just you know because they look at me just even for the final practicum they're like oh you know deer in headlights and just yoga so even just that, you know, there's just another human being I'm responsible for. Yeah. <sighs> just yeah. breathe, just yoga. <laughs> just yoga and, and being in the moment, right? That mindfulness yeah. part of the yoga, right? We call our thing mindful resilience because it really is about your own practice, right? Because yeah. I can't be up there and hold and teach the class if I'm not paying attention to my own stuff, right? Yeah. And like making sure that that's not getting in the way. Yeah. Because I don't want my own reaction about what I see someone doing on their mat. If I see someone crying on their mat, yeah. right, that might that be affecting me. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm doing something because it's going to make me feel better. Yeah. When really that's not why I'm here. Exactly. So um, really just using that that uh, that constant practice, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really, if you do this work, you have to do your own practice. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to say, because I want to continue this story of VYP, but I also want to say, since we're here, I even just like those little pieces that I've had in studying with various teachers from VYP, I feel like I've just taught, shifted the way I taught just regular yoga classes, mm-hmm. you know, because we're in the whole Me Too world and everything is changing and now everybody's being triggered. It feels like, you know, I've been teaching some sort of movement, you know, dance, Pilates, and yoga for 20 years. And I have noticed the past four, three, four years, it, people are so different in the class. Mm. And I don't, I'm not sure if it's me projecting or not. Um, so I'm trying not to put too much into it, but I do see how there is a need to teach a little bit more in the kind of trauma sensitive side of just simply invitational language, right? Um, or just the, you know, just creating more of a predictable environment of saying, okay, I'm going over and, you know, doing this thing. Cause I used to, you know, I come from a dance background where you just touch your students all the time and like move that hip and da da da. And I always had that, not as an abrasive way before I had evolved, but I am more mindful of like, you know what, I'm not going to do hands-on adjustments so much anymore because I don't know who, what that person is dealing with. Right. So thank you can you touch for somebody that. and that'll put them right into their fight or flight or right into their yeah. freeze response. And right, yeah. it can, people can get, you know, triggered. Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, there is this, this balance between being sensitive and, and creating space for people to really be, you know, sensitive and vulnerable. Um, but the reason we do that is because it does make us stronger and more resilient mm-hmm. so that we're not, um, you know, we live in a world where there's no shortage of trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a world where 
people are increasingly finding that the yoga mat is the only place where they have the time or space to actually talk about that trauma yeah. or deal with, not talk yeah. about it, but like maybe in their own head just to be with that trauma yeah. or to be just with their own stuff, right? Because yeah. like we don't often sort of have the time or the, the space to do that. Yeah. Um, and so really focusing on this idea of empowerment. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then again, this is why I think some of the, some of the trauma stuff that I've seen out there, um, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? patronizing or I know what you're uh, saying like I'm, the word that came to mind was condescending but it's not condescending it's just it's like not giving them enough credit right. to use their own tools and thinking that you have something you're going to go yeah. fix them right? like you're <laughs> yeah. so great that, yeah. and then they're so poor I off and not. oh I need to go help that poor person yeah. that's the thing that I yeah. think uh, grates on me personally yeah, yeah. is there's this like that. Oh, it's all me. I'm going to go help this poor person yeah. who can't help themselves. I that's totally. bullshit. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. especially the veterans I work with. I mean, there's so much resilience in there. Yeah. There's so much. You deal with these symptoms and uh, and still are able to, you know, get up the next day and, and, and try your best, right? Yeah. Um, that's resilience, right? It is. It's not just the people who aren't dealing with the post-traumatic, but the yeah. ones who are dealing with symptoms, they're the ones who are demonstrating the resilience. Yeah, really and the are. world, you know, life is suffering, and there's always going to be traumas, and there's going to be pain, and people die, people get sick. And so by being open to that, by welcoming that even, and just accepting that part of life, that actually does make us stronger. Mm-hmm. It does make us more resilient. Yeah. Right? It does allow us to be stronger in the body, stronger in the mind. Definitely. I agree. Or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to kind of go back to the story of VYP. So here you are in West Haven. You got your teacher training. You're like, there's something here. You st- did a couple workshops. Mm-hmm. That's where we were in the story. So then what? <laughs> so then what? Yeah, so we did one workshop, and then I think we did another workshop, and then, oh, we should have a website. And the first website, I remember, like, it was just, like, all these academic... It was, it was like a um, like a bibliography or something. I had all these <laughs> academic resources of okay. what people could have up there. And what was the first workshop? Like, how many people came, and what was, like... What was that experience? Oh, good question. Uh, it was probably like 10 hours over the course of a Saturday and Sunday. I don't know how much we charged for it. It may have been 12 to 14 students there, okay. many of whom were uh, were my co-students in the teacher training, the 200-hour I just okay. finished. Like, um, oh, yeah, look at more CECs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... 2010, October 2010 is when we did our first training. Okay. October of 2011 is when we incorporated as a like an entity, Veterans okay. Yoga Project. Probably had the website somewhere before that. Um, and then just, you know, the the workshops were well-received. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were fun. Yeah. And they were really, I felt like, powerful and empowering. And who was coming to those at that point? Mostly yoga teachers. Um, you know, it was designed for yoga teachers, okay. and we advertised it as this yeah. is a training, so you're, you expect you already have yeah. your 200-hour. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, over the course of the past eight, nine years, I don't know how many of these trainings we've done, but we've trained more than 1,400. That's awesome. Students have come through these trainings. Um, and it really has just gone from this little hobby on the weekends, oh, let's do a little teacher training, and we'll have a little website. <laughs> because what, what happened, too, is that we now had these trained teachers, and some of them, you know, were working in the VA or, um, or sort of having other, you know, opportunities to teach to vets, but most didn't. Yeah. And it was like, okay, now we got the skills and we know about it. Like, okay, now, now what? Yeah, yeah, now what? <laughs> and uh, I had done a, a study while I was doing my research at West Haven VA, um, looking at the barriers to yoga within PTSD treatment programs. Okay. Um, and besides, trained staff was the number one barrier. Okay. So the fact that I was doing these trainings, that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, but there was a lack of space and a lack of funding also were the okay. other barriers. And so at some point, we made that sort of the big part of what we do is let's work with the VAs and the vet centers and the teachers and put them together and find the room and the space and awesome. um, and and create the programs. 
And so that's really kind of what our regional model is now is that uh, we empower our regional teams to go raise the money so we can pay our teachers. A lot of our teachers are volunteers. Okay. Seva, a very important part of yoga. Yeah. We want to do service. I also think that um, people should get paid for the work they do because yeah. right? you're paying for your training and you're paying yeah. for your, your time. And very often people don't value what's free. Yeah. Um, and so we pay our yoga teachers um, increasingly so. Uh, and we work with the VA to find the time and the space and, and the right thing to do it. And uh, we get the veterans there and we teach the yoga. And we... I'm trying not to jump too far ahead in the story because I know we're still <laughs> back, you know, here. Uh, but it almost seems a blur between, yeah. like, that, you know, that 2011 and now. Yeah, that's not that long. I mean, you went from West Haven to... Like, how did it, like, how, where did it grow next from West Haven? Or did it just, like, trickle out? That's a did great question. Know, we did the first couple of trainings in Connecticut. We did one in Massachusetts. We went down to D.C. And it was really so just kind of like kind word of, like, of mouth, yeah. like, and, you know, just East Coast. East Coast. They, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, you know, at some point... Now, for those of people know, you're, like, national. <laughs> right, national and, just, dare I say, international. Oh, yes, that's true, international, yes. Yes. Um, yes, we've grown so big, and really what the genesis of and really where VYP was reborn yeah. um, was right here at Feather Pipe Ranch, it. and it was 2014. Okay. There were 14 yoga teachers here for what we were doing, a level two training. So after our okay. mindful resilience training, we created a level two training where we're looking at addiction and chronic pain and okay. uh, maybe some of the stuff we've been talking about here this week. And, um, and I was tired and I was trying to do it all by myself. And yeah. I kind of basically said to the group, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Wow. Um, I don't think I said I did. I think I really said I can't do this by myself anymore. Okay. And I really need other people to step up and own this organization. Otherwise, it just it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened. And uh, that first weekend, or that uh, first, or that, that training that, uh, where those 14 teachers were there, uh, we had a bonfire one night, and they sat around the bonfire. I wasn't there. And they were thinking, like, what can we do to help support Veterans Yoga Project? Um, and meanwhile, so at this training is Deb, who's now my board president, yes. Brianna, who's our director of programs, Jocelyn, yeah. uh, who's one of our big supporters, um, and these teachers, uh, who are many of whom are still involved, um, and they all decided that they were going to teach one class on Veterans Day, a donation-based class where they're going to ask their yoga community to come to yoga, um, practice with an attitude of gratitude for mm -hmm. our veterans, and send the donations to Veterans Yoga Project. You know, that would be helpful. Yeah. And, and so, again, that was August of 2014. I got home from Feathered Pipe that yeah. week, and in our mailbox was our letter from the IRS saying that we now have our own 501c3. Cool. So it was really kind of serendipitous. Yeah. Up until then, uh, the Feathered Pipe Foundation had been our fiscal sponsor. Okay. Um, so we were still operate, able to operate as a 501c3, but really under their umbrella. Yeah. And, and so, and then between August and November, right, when they planned this event, they talked to their friends and people like, oh, hey, I want to do that because yeah. the yoga community wants to give. Yeah. The yoga community yeah. likes to serve. Yeah. And uh, so by that November, we had 25, no, 98 classes, okay. yoga classes taught across 25 states. Awesome. I don't know how many yoga teachers, um, all practicing with an attitude of gratitude for veterans, called it Veterans Gratitude Week. Um, and brought in much needed funding for the organization. But more importantly, it was like, oh, like this is something people get behind. Yeah. Like this isn't something I'm making up in my head. Like this is important. <laughs> like this yeah. is real. Yeah. And that's pretty cool, right? When you realize, oh, it's not in my head. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now last year was our fifth annual Veterans Gratitude Week. We had 501 classes across all 50 states. And for months, you know, uh, I go to the mailbox every day and there's an envelope it's full of checks and cash and also notes and yeah. just like little scribbles and 
you know, yeah. and I'd hear stories and, you know, sometimes vets would come to these classes and that would be their intro to yoga or, yeah. um, you know, people would just have these nice stories or they'd make videos. Um, and in the end, right, thousands of veterans and civilians every November yeah. come together to practice yoga with an attitude of gratitude for veterans yeah. and to support Veterans Yoga Project as a nonprofit. And it is very inspiring. I mean, for work that can sometimes be a little heavy, mm -hmm. right? We're dealing with the heaviness, and uh, certainly as a clinical psychologist, I get to hear the details of these yeah. heavy stories. Um, but to be able to balance that out with all the good work and the service that people are doing, yeah. and the not just people who say they want to help. It's not just people <laughs> giving lip service, thank you for your service. Yeah. Right? These are people that are busting their butts, you know, yeah. starting these classes, promoting these classes, getting their friends to teach classes. Um, and so between that and then just watching the resilience and watching what happens with these veterans, and you can go to our website and look at our monthly reports where we document the decreases in pain and stress. We document their, the uh, testimonials and the quotes that we get back from veterans, and it's very clear that it's working, right? Yeah. That, um, that the work that we are doing, that the practices we are teaching and sharing are empowering our students and they are moving through their symptoms more easily and they are getting off their meds and, and not everybody, of course, but um, that there is real value to the work that we're doing. Yeah. And it is the most gratifying thing in the whole world. I, there's That's nothing. Awesome. I love what I do. Good. It is so, <laughs> it's just so... Um, Invigorating. I have mission and purpose. Yeah. You know, like a meaning, meaning for my life. Yeah. Right in my career, and it gets reinforced all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So that's the story. I love the story, and yeah, and we are. You said you had five hundred one classes last year in all the sta in, in all fifty state. states. All 50 so states. we are um, doing Veterans Gratitude Week again this yes. year, twenty nineteen, from November eighth to November eighteenth. Yep. We turned Veterans Day into an 11 day week. Yeah. And in reality, actually, people do events all throughout the month of November yeah. and really all year long, but yeah. we focused on November. Yeah. And so this year, our goal is 600 classes across all 50 states okay. um, and to uh, raise $120,000. Awesome. Well, we're going to play that. We're definitely going to air this before so that people who are yoga teachers or studio owners they will participate i'm sure i will be participating our nomad teachers i'm already gonna have an email sent out when i get home to let them know that they should re i'm not really teaching presently but they are they're responsible for doing it for us <laughs> awesome um but yeah so we'll have an opportunity to yeah, and anybody can participate, right? Anybody yeah. listening. Yeah, and then I mean, people go to the classes? Look yeah, for your, you can look. go to the class, you can teach the class. I can't remember. Is there, on your website, is there any sort of, like, listing if somebody doesn't know about a studio or something, can they find? Exactly. So we have, um, for Veterans Gratitude Week, we yeah. will have a list, and you can go there right now and see. I think we have almost 100 classes already registered. Okay, awesome. Um, and so you can see where in your neighborhood or neck of the woods okay, that good. there are uh, these donation-based classes. Uh, and then for, you know, separately, right, these are different than our veterans' classes. Yeah. So these are donation-based yep. classes that help fund the classes that we do, mostly in VA's vet centers and other clinical settings. Yeah. Um, and those are the classes that are for our vets. Yeah. So, of course, we invite veterans in active duty to come to our Veterans Gratitude Week classes. We don't ask them to donate. We'll gratefully accept it, but we're not yeah. asking them to. But this is Veterans Gratitude Week is the opportunity for the rest of us yeah. to serve those who have served. So, basically, anybody who's listening to this should go to a class. Yes, should go <laughs> to veteransyogaproject.org. <laughs> yes. Go to the Veterans Gratitude Week tab. Find out where there's a class near you. Yeah. Uh, go to the class. Yeah. Uh, there's other ways to give and you can create yeah. your own social fundraising and I, pages and all that stuff yeah and I'll put the the website in the show notes and I usually do like a little intro too so cool but yeah okay so that's where we are now mm -hmm. and now we're and then where are we going <laughs> not to create anxiety what is your vision if it's anything different from what you're doing now a great question there's lots of ideas and there's no shortage of need mm -hmm. or good ideas 
my vision is that, and we talked about this a little bit this week, um, where the VYP vision statement has really been about making these practices accessible to all vets. Um, and in some ways, you know, we're almost mission accomplished there. We are the, the, the world has changed in the past eight years. The VA, for example, right? My teacher in LA was saying that eight years ago, she couldn't use the word yoga. She wasn't allowed to use the word yoga. They had to call it breathing, stretching, and relaxation. Okay. And now there's a job description in the U.S. government for yoga instructor, and the VA is mandating that veterans be offered yoga. Wow. Right? Like, it's a total, it's amazing. It's an amazing, and again, that's sort of at a few sites. You know, they're uh, piloting this whole health program, but um, it's working. It's taking off, and... Uh, I can't imagine that it's not going to expand to all of the facilities at some point. So, so the world has certainly changed and my, my vision is informed by my experience with veterans who have been in the muck, right? Dealing with their own trauma and really being down in the muck. And we, you know, I can't tell you how many veterans have said yoga saved my life Mm -hmm. who then go back and become yoga teachers, mm-hmm. right? And now teach to other veterans yeah. at the VA or vet center or whatever. Yeah. And to me, it reinforces this idea that veterans are our community's best assets, right? These are the men and women who have the sort of natural inclination to serve. They already yeah. stepped up to serve. They've been trained, mm-hmm. right? They've got your back. Yeah. Um, these are the men and women I want on my side. And these are the men and women I want leading our communities yeah. through what are really uncertain times in the world. Yeah. Right. There's this level of cultural anxiety, mm-hmm. like, you know, everywhere. Like, yeah. I don't think we need to name all no, the horrible stuff we, happening. We, in the we world. know. We know. But, um, it's there. And yeah. to me, these uh, these men and women that we put so much time and effort into training and, and cultivating and putting that on mission, then they come back. You know, some of them really feel like and some of them really are have been kind of forgotten and they're not yeah. given the support that they need. Yeah. And yet they have so much more to give to our communities. Mm-hmm. And so that's my kind of vision, right? Or yeah. that's, that's the cycle that I like to see happen is really... Um, not just recovery from post-traumatic stress, but really that resilience and that leadership and that community leadership and the post-traumatic growth. Um, So as far as us as an organization, how we achieve that, you know, we have a strategic plan and we have initiatives that we're, that we're working on. I think our compassion fatigue uh, training, I think is, is an important part of that because just as we have all this cultural anxiety, you know, caregivers are taking on that much more of it. Yeah. And when our caregivers burn out, then that affects our yeah. you know, patients, students, etc. Um, so that whole piece on using mindful resilience to combat compassion fatigue is important. Um, but I think to some extent, our focus is just to keep doing what we're doing. Okay. And just to, you know, not get too far afield or, you know, stick with what's working. Yeah. Um, and not let the organization become more important than the mission. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Right. Sometimes, yeah. right, you get these nonprofits and they grow and then yeah. their primary mission is to survive as an organization. Yeah. Right. And they Which forget a, the mission. They just do anything that they can to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, I'm sure the mission still stays there to some extent, yeah. but, um, you know, I just wouldn't ever want, you know, like I, part of me, you know, as the VA has been making these changes, part of me wants to say done. Yeah. Like, okay, we can wrap up operations now and, you know, put your Veterans Yoga Project to sleep because, you know, ah, mission accomplished. No, we need uh, the teachers. We I know, and, <laughs> and the truth is, is we're not, yeah, we're not mission accomplished and that's wishful thinking. Um, but the other thing I'll just say is, um, and part of the reason this work is so good and part of the reason Veterans Yoga Project is successful is because of the people who work for for veterans yoga project yeah. right mostly volunteers we have 120 plus like staff and volunteers and there's not a one of them who is doing what they do for any other reason than they really give a shit yeah they really care and and passionate and i get to work with some of the most amazing people that just have dedication 
And again, I'm not a military guy, so it's also I get to work with military minds yeah. who are much more organized They're and grounded and uh, and <laughs> process oriented than I am. Um, but it's it's just so fulfilling yeah. to be part of you know it's really like a family yeah. of people that are just focused on the mission yeah. and just want to help vets and are helping vets yeah. and are documenting it and trying to figure out how do we serve more vets. Yeah. I, when you just said that, I was just thinking too, because I, I don't have, I'm not military either, and here you, you are, and I are, I, I am, uh, leading these like military kind of yoga <laughs> organizations. <laughs> so yeah. my, it's like oh, but I think that um, what my experience is is that, I, especially in your position, is that they're being seen. You know, you're you're seeing them for who they are, and I think that like they get to see each other. You know, but you're seeing them, and I think that's really important for them and for all of us to recognize too. Um, I think that's I think you even talked about that today too uh, in one of our conversations about being seen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we all need to. And some of it's just a projection. We think people are seeing us for who we are, but um, <laughs> yeah. but we know when people right can see us yeah. and where we can feel like we are who we are, yeah. as opposed to people who don't get us. Yeah. Right? And sometimes I don't know if you've ever been like I've certainly been in situations in my life where I'm just sort of living in a place or a situation where I just feel like I'm not being seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been in plenty of those places. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then but you get not to, getting it. Right. And then you get <laughs> yeah. back with your, your people, your friends, and then yeah. you know, the people who really know you. Yeah. And all of a sudden you feel a little more whole. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that is what we're trying to do. We're just trying to hold the space for people because they're already whole. Yeah. Right. And veterans are just people. Like, yeah. You know, it's not like, I mean, certainly they're different in some ways and have certain characteristics, mm-hmm. but in the end, we're all just people, and the tools that we share are just basic. Yeah. And it's all simple, and yeah. they all work for every human body. Yeah. I, one I, way or the other. Yeah, you're doing an excellent job just from what I've, you know, experienced. Thank you. Yeah, and the people here this week, you know, we've been here for a week now, almost a week now, and just meeting. So they're, they're you know, they're, they're all so unique, but they all have that common um, just... Uh, I just keep having emotionally evolved come up in my mm. in my mind of just you know sitting with these old vets you know uh, you know a couple of them who are Vietnam vets and just having these conversations and having them talk about their feelings and and uh, talking about you know these different tools that they used and just like ah oh, this is this we're changing the world you know because that like what we call what I think of like the old guard they have like this other way of thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> and to see how even just like the older generation is evolving too you know mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just a really beautiful thing well and that was when I first started doing this work I thought that would be the harder sell is the old yeah. Vietnam yeah. vets yeah that's what I mean like but they actually are the ones who um, are much more open to it yeah. I think are I don't know at least they were years ago I feel like Again, things have changed, and yoga is not so weird or woo-woo anymore. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's part of it too. Yeah. yeah. But for the Vietnam era vets, I mean, I'm, I was working with these vets, still working with vets, right? Who've been dealing with this for forty years. I know. Forty years of like yeah. nightmares and intrusive memories yeah. and all that stuff, and so they'll try anything. Yeah. Right. At the, you know, at that point, yeah. and then and tools that empower, yeah. as opposed to here, take this pill or here. Yeah. You know, where somebody else is trying to fix you or something. Yeah. Instead, I, we're just allowing them to be whole. Yeah. I think that's what helped my father a lot. Um, you know, he didn't really talk too much when he came back into my life, but he had changed a lot. You know, he's definitely rehabilitated to the best he could be. But when I went back through and read everything, he had all these different meditations. Like he had gotten sheets, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe into his, you know, group sessions or whatever. Mm-hmm. He had all these different, like just little, um, you know, scripts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, he never told me, you know. <laughs> but I could, I could see that he had been practicing it. So yeah. he, I think, you know, he just, I knew he just wanted to be seen. There were so many times he went to the VA um, in the 80s and 90s and they were, he wasn't being seen. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. We just, yeah, whatever your age, we just want to be seen, and we'll try anything to be seen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, you're doing an, a really beautiful job. Well, thank so, you for that. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to share about your journey or Veterans Yoga Project or deep thoughts <laughs> or not so deep thoughts? Hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Or dig deep enough to have deep thoughts. I don't know if I have any deep yeah. thoughts today. Well, we had some uh, deep thoughts already. All right. Well, yeah. good. If they were deep <laughs> enough, then that's good. Um, I would just say, uh, well, two things, right, for any veterans, active duty family members who are listening, right, there are resources out there and to make use of them. Yeah. Um, and certainly to find these tools to empower you through that experience to do that right and not be afraid to try yoga and yeah. also what I'll say is try different types of yoga yeah because we talk about yoga like it's one thing right and there's so many it's different diverse. styles and approaches right you could be and yoga is meditation too so if you're not a mover you can meditate or breathe right yeah. so for us we call yoga we call it mindful resilience and yeah. for us the five tools of mindful resilience are meditation and again there could be lots of different ways or different types of meditation it's breathing and learning different breathing techniques mindful movement and so how do we hold our body move our body guided rest how do we rest our minds and bodies and gratitude so right yoga is mindfulness or sitting in meditation yeah. or whatever your practice is and we present these as a toolbox because everybody's got something different like my one vet who said he stopped taking sleep medication because he meditates he wasn't really into the physical practices so much but yeah. that's not what he needed, at least not at that time. Yeah. Right? He was still able to, you know, make whatever he needed to make happen uh, just through the meditation. Yeah. So absolutely. So finding um, practices and resources that are available and exploring all the different types of yoga um, until you find one that's right for you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, um, I say, is uh, that if you haven't served, it's really your responsibility to serve those who have. And I think we're at a point in our world where we can't just sit around and do nothing anymore. Like, yeah. I think actually each one of us has to step up and serve. Yeah. I think we have a collective responsibility that we have to, like, do stuff. And we actually have to do the work. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm really grateful that I get to do it. And, yeah. uh, and for anybody who wants to help support Veterans Yoga Project in what we're doing... Feel free, but if not, find another local great veterans organization. Find some way for you to give back and to contribute. Yeah, I think they should definitely donate to directly to Veterans Yoga Project. I do. Too. I'm a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's a possibility of our collaboration in some yes, ways. So. Absolutely, which I'm very excited yes, to continue exploring. I am too. So we won't tell them all of that now. They'll just have to keep paying attention. There you go. All right. I like that. Just teasing. Yeah. It's yeah. a teaser, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for, I know this is a really busy week and kind of like an emotional week for you. So thank you for taking time and sitting down and sharing with me and with everyone who's listening. Well, thank yeah. you for being here. Thank you for taking interest in the work and thank you for sharing the work. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed our time with Dan. And just a reminder, if you are interested in offering a class, if you're a yoga teacher, attending a class, or even just donating for Veterans Gratitude Week, go over to veteransyogaproject.org. That week is happening November 8th through the 18th. So you can find out where the class is happening or how to offer a class. <laughs>